Rot to righteousness tends to be long. So keep your love on, on. Welcome to the Get Your Love On podcast. This show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe. In each episode, we learn how to simply walk with God in all his awesome love, incredible power, and authority. It's straightforward, and it's straight from the word. We have free resources for you at getyourloveon.org. That includes free Bible studies and an amazing free video series, all there to answer your questions, build your faith, and of course, we'd love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us by going to getyourloveon.org. We have an amazing episode here, so let's go. Let it shine bright, bright, bright. It says in Romans 8, verse 37, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I love this scripture. It doesn't leave anything out. In all things, we are more than conquerors. So let's look at a great example of what God can do when someone simply offers what they have and allows God to do the rest. Isn't that wonderful that we can have that that simple understanding that, well, Lord, here's what you've given me. I'm going to give it back to you and you do the rest. You make the miracle happen, Lord. You create the solution. You create the perfect solution, Lord. I love praying for that. And then I love watching the Lord bring that perfect solution to its full age. You know, there's a lot of speculation about certain things happening and whether or not God's going to do this or God's going to do that. And when we have that confidence and we have that simple faith to know that God is not a man that he can lie. When he says he's going to do something, my beloved friends, he's doing it. And it's up to us just to present our faith. Well, okay, Lord, I don't have to figure out how you're going to do it. I don't have to figure out why it's taking this amount of time or why this or why that. I don't have to figure any of that out. I just get to simply believe you. So that's what I'm going to do. Let's go to Matthew 14 and find out what happens when we just allow God to do his work with our simple faith and our simple offering. So Matthew uh, chapter 14, we'll start in verse 14. It says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. Isn't that it? Those two verses create such an incredible contrast of who God is versus the natural mind. Here, Christ was moved with great compassion and was healing people, always giving out, always looking forward to taking care of one and of those that were in front of him. And his disciples, who didn't have the Holy Spirit at this point, you know, they were in, an, in a, they didn't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, so they just knew what they knew. They figured everyone else should go take care of themselves. That's the difference. <laughs> and the other thing is, is, you know, the natural mind, it actually doesn't want to be in subjection to the Spirit of God. So it doesn't want to have to rely on the Spirit of God for the care. It doesn't want to be in subjection. 
So that's that, those are the two keys here in these two verses. Number one, God always wants to take care of us. That's, that's his desire. That's why he put us here, so that we can love him and he can take care of us. It's just that beautiful exchange. But yet the natural mind, it, it's always going to oh, you go take care of yourself. You go handle it yourself. And that self-will. So that's what we want to learn to disregard. We want to learn to peel that away and say, Lord, I want all of you. I want to learn how to be in complete subjection to your Holy Spirit and walk in the Spirit. And then watch how awesome it is that God does take care of us. It's so much more fun, actually, to allow God to work his miracles through our lives. It's such it's such a glorious existence, you know, rather than trying to man, grind through and try to just keep doing it our way. That's <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a process in all of it, and we learn how to do this. And we have a beautiful message from our wonderful friend Trish that gets to this heart, the heart of this matter as well. So stay tuned to the end because there's a lot more to this. But the bottom line is the natural mind, it doesn't want to be in subjection to God. And um, so again, <clears throat> humility, it's critical to understand that. And It's critical to achieve that humility in order to be in subjection to God Almighty. 1 Peter 5, and we have an entire show on this scripture as well, so I'll link it in the show archives. But it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. So we're going to see in Matthew 14, that scripture play out how God gave, gives grace to the humble multitude. And it's so interesting, too, how this is very, um, these are choices we get to make that Peter is saying, submit yourself unto the elder. Yea, be subject one to another. These are choices we make. It's intentional. So let's make sure we're recognizing that. And that we are, okay, Lord, clothe me in humility. Lord, Lord, show me where I can become more humble. Lord, show me how I can be subject one to another. Lord, show me the needs of my brethren. All those things, we get to ask the Lord and he'll give it to us. It says in verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that verse 7 can apply. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So again, if we're allowing that natural mind to just say, oh, everybody go take care of themselves. Everybody, you go take care of yourself. We're going to expect that for ourselves. And we're going, I'll take care of myself then. Well, then we can't cast all our cares upon God, right? If we're anticipating that we're going to have to take care of ourselves, where is that? Where, is, where does that happen? So in order to allow ourselves to cast all our cares upon the Lord and just say, Wow, Lord, thanks for taking such good care of me because I'm casting all my cares upon you. All of them. You get all of them, Lord. Thank you for taking care of me. It starts with that humility. It starts with humility. And the good news is when we are walking in the Spirit of God, when we do have the Holy Spirit, we will have that humility. We'll we'll be asking the Lord to be clothed in humility. 
And we can, we can keep asking for that every day. And we will be in subjection to God Almighty. And so, yes, humbly and very gladly cast all our cares upon him. And Peter could write that because we'll go back to Matthew 14 and in verse 16. So after Christ healed everybody, he's looking out for everybody, healing the sick. The disciples come to him and say, send them away. They need to go buy food for themselves. (laughs) Verse 16. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Isn't that awesome? When I read that, I was like, whoa, what a challenge. That is awesome. You see, Christ knew that they were using their natural mind, and he needed to shock the snot out of them. And so that's what happens. But God saw the hunger and the humility of that multitude because they actually, in previous verses, walked on foot to follow Christ. They were just seeking God, and they were just seeking Christ. So God saw that. And here's the best part of any given day, my friends, is that God always knows exactly what he's capable of. He knows he can create a miracle in the blink of an eye. He knows this. So even if no one else knows, God does. And he can, boom, change the whole scene just like that. So we can always count on the Lord to, number one, take care of us. And then number two, shock that natural mind to be able to say, whoop, God Almighty, creator of all things, I got you covered here. I love how Christ challenged his disciples, too. You give them eat. You take care of these beautiful souls. What would you do with a hungry soul in front of you? Would you feed them the meat of the word? Would you give them your whole testimony of how God has has healed you from sin, sickness, and disease? How God has poured abundant blessings into your life? Would you give that that feast to a hungry soul in front of you and then just let the Lord do the rest? You know, when, when you give people food, and the Lord's just showing me this, when you feed someone, you don't worry or you don't think about, you know, oh, I wonder how many calories that's going to be that'll translate into, you know, this workout, or I wonder, I wonder how they're going to digest that. No, we don't worry about those, those kind of details. We just feed that hungry soul and enjoy the meal. And it's the same thing with sharing the word of God. We just give it out and let that soul enjoy the meal. And what they do with it is between them and God. But Christ is definitely challenging each one of us to feed the hungry multitude that is out there because there is an incredible spiritual hunger. So let's make sure we're prepared with the meat of the word, the meat of the word, to feed those who want it. So Christ challenged his disciples. He said, they need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. (laughs) I love this scripture. And he said, Christ said to them, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed them and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. All the disciples had to do was bring what they had before Christ. And then he blessed it and he did the rest. 
And he then distributed. And the, the disciples got to be a part of it yet again. Again, they got to feed the multitude with their, with their loving hands and their loving arms. And can you imagine the shock of the natural mind to have gone from, oh, no, Christ, send them away. They need to go buy stuff for themselves. To, nope, God is always sufficient and abundant. How abundant is God Almighty? Let's go to verse 20. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. See, that's when, that's when you know it's really God working. The abundance will fill your heart, fill your mind, fill your entire soul so that it's just spilling out. And there were 12 baskets remaining. Isn't that wonderful that we can rely on God for that? And again, I, I just, Lord, I appreciate so much that it started with Christ showcasing that difference between God's mind and the natural mind. God's mind was busy healing the sick. The natural mind was telling people to take care of themselves. And then God got to, boom, come on the scene and say, wait a minute, give me what you have, because I have a miracle. God always has miracles for us. It's so wonderful when we rely on him and just trust him. It's so wonderful to also trust in those miracles. So the disciples didn't know what God was going to do. They received that challenge, and then they said, well, here's what I have. I have five loaves and two fishes. That's it. And then God allowed God. They, they brought it forth, and they allowed God to do the rest of the miracle. They just offered what they had to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and then got to participate in one of the most miraculous endeavors in history. And my beloved, my beloved friends, as we walk in the Spirit— Every day is that same miraculous endeavor to feed the multitudes through the Holy Spirit, to, to heal the sick through the Holy Spirit. We get to be a part of that. All we need to do is recognize and believe God that he has indeed given us what we need. You know, I'll never forget, there was a time where I was um, really, really struggling in many aspects of life, financially, um, physically, emotionally, it would just seem like a pummeling of sorts. And I remember the Lord showed me, hon, take a look, take a step back and look at what you do have and find you'll never lack. As we look at what we don't have, we're always going to feel like there's a huge lack. But when we stop that process and we stop that conditioning of the natural mind, and we look at things through a spiritual mind, we'll recognize the abundance that God has given us. And when the Lord spoke that in my ear, I did. I stepped back and I looked and I was like, wow, I have a beautiful, I, I have a car, first of all, so I can get around. That's great. And I just kind of took stock of what I did have. I had a roof over my head. Wow, that's amazing. I have some food in my belly. That's amazing. And, and when we can do that, we'll begin to see how God has richly, abundantly blessed us and then appreciate him and then he'll bless us more. And then we'll appreciate that and then he'll bless us more. And it's a, it's a wonderful 
exchange. And you're going to hear from our our friend Trish too how she how she uh, teaches on that bigger picture of God that when we recognize God's doing something huge, we won't anticipate the part that we're in right now being the end. We'll know that the part we're in right now is just a part we're in right now. And God has a much bigger work in front of us. So we'll be patient in those things. So yes, we get to recognize and believe God that he, that what he means, he says, and what he says, he means. And so in Matthew 6, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We get to say, Lord, here's my prayer. I look forward to seeing how you answer it. And that's it. And we don't even have to take thought for the morrow because God is taking care of it. That's why Peter says, cast all your cares upon him because he does care for you. And that's why as we seek the kingdom of God, we will do that (laughs) because we'll see the grandeur of God. We'll see how much better he is at handling situations, at providing solutions, at giving us the perfect idea at the perfect time. And by the way, the timing of the Lord is incredibly precise. So as we tap into him, man, our timing is just going to be lockstep with God Almighty. It'll be awesome. So we get to we get to say to the Lord, okay, Lord, I have these five loaves and two fishes. Let's feed the multitude. Lord, I, I look forward to seeing what kind of miracle you're going to rot from this that I have. You know, you can say, Lord, I have a heart to serve you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's see what kind of miracles come from my heart to serve you. Or Lord, I have a passion to help people. Let's go. Let's, let's feed the multitude. Whatever we have, we can bring to the Lord. Or maybe you say, well, Lord, I have this medical degree. How can I help? How can I feed the multitudes? Or maybe, you know, maybe it's something like you have a fancy car collection. Well, Brother Bob, he's a true apostle. You've heard him on this radio show many times. If you're new to the radio show, though, he's a true apostle and just an incredible minister of the Word of God. And he used to have a motorcycle he used to love to ride motorcycles and, and had a great motorcycle collection. And so he was also he also recognized that it was a wonderful way to connect with people genuinely and authentically. And so again, no matter what it is, if it's five loaves and two fishes or just your heart or something more, we just get to offer it to God Almighty and say, okay, Lord, what kind of miracles are you going to perform through this? Whatever we have, we get to offer it to God and watch him bless it and then watch him manifest the miracle and we'll be part of it. We can rest assured, my friends, we will be part of it. God will use us then to distribute that miraculous uh, work of God. So we have a very special message for you. It is from our dear friend, Trish, and she was a wonderful mentor to me personally. She is a wonderful mentor to me personally, and she'd always say, you know, especially in those times, especially as I just mentioned that those challenges where it's like physically, financially, emotionally, I'm just going through it. 
she would always say, Hun, step back and look at that bigger, bigger picture. God's picture is eternal. And as we step back and just say, okay, Lord, I want to get your perspective on this matter. I feel like I'm in the thick of it. I feel like I'm getting bombarded on every side. But Lord, I want to see your perspective on this matter. When we seek that largeness of perspective, then we'll find great comfort in knowing what God is doing in our lives and be able to walk through it. You know, sometimes there are there is a process and sometimes it does take a while in our minds for these things to reveal themselves. But trust God. He's got it well under control. So here we go. We have this wonderful message from our dear friend, my my personal mentor and uh, an incredible minister, Trish. It's called The Bigger Picture. Today I'm going to start in John 13, verse 1. And I want to cover how incredibly kind the Lord God is. There's a big picture if every soul walking on the face of this earth that has a, a walk before the Lord, just bear that in mind. There's a big, big picture. And it was all put in motion on that seventh day when God the Father said, it is done. And it's all in motion now. So there are things that are large. There are things that God does that have to unfold over a dispensation and a period of time. Now, Jesus knew this. He knew this when he was with the Father and he agreed between him and the Father that Jesus the Son would come here and perform the things that he had been preordained and predestined to perform. But Jesus did agree to do it. So Jesus is here. He had to suffer being in this flesh. He knew it was going to be quite a process because human nature likes things consistent. It likes things to be this, stay the same. It's not given to change. It doesn't like change. So it's quite a process to incorporate change. Jesus came to incorporate change. God came to create something new. And so here's Jesus in the process of all of this that God set in motion. And he knew at this time in John 13 verse 1 that he had to prepare the disciples that he lovingly cared for for what was going to happen next. So here he said, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. There's your guarantee, saints of God. He will love you right to the very end. So stick with him. Stick with him to the very end. He'll stick with you. Be sure you stick with him. And supper being ended, the devil now having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now, do you notice there, he was someone's son, but God had a purpose for every single soul. He had a course that was going to play out for each and every one. 
some to honor, some to dishonor, some that he can show his glory upon them. Everything that he designed was for a purpose. Jesus knew what was coming, but the disciples, not so much. They didn't know fully what was coming. So Jesus, in his kindness, he had to prepare them in whatever way he could. Now, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. Now, this Jesus knew. Know this also, dear saints. You came from God, and when you leave here, when you stay in him and with him, you will go back to him. So he's speaking of Jesus in verse 4, raised from supper. And he laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. Now, the Lord has many ways that he taught people. And he knows human nature, like I said. So what he did in his ultimate kindness, he gave them an example. He gave them a visual. Do you know that God will do that through your walk? He'll give you visuals so you actually see when something's about to happen. You'll see why it's happening. Or when something's being removed out of your life, he'll let things play out so you see why it has to be removed out of your life. Or if there's a great change He'll see, he'll show you, he'll let things act out in front of you and you'll cry out and say, yes, I need a change. I understand, Lord God, I do need a change. He's very kind to do that. But also Jesus gave a demonstration uh, that would show instruction that would register down in the heart. Those examples, those physical examples, him coming here, was a physical example of everything that he did, everything he said. So he raised from supper, and he laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. He wrapped that towel around him. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherein he was girdeth. Then cometh he to Simon Peter. Oh, Simon Peter. What a character he was. He had a particular makeup. You know, there's so many different types of makeups and personalities. And some are very feisty. Some are very quiet. Um, then there, there's the ones like Peter. And, you know, God understands that. He made you. He made you the way you are. So love the Lord in all of his creation Love the way he made each and every individual. I look at each individual as a separate creation of God, and I love them in their peculiar makeup and their peculiar ways. And I ask for the Lord's heart and eyes to see that soul and enjoy and delight in them the way that the Lord fashioned them, because he has a certain purpose for each one. So be guided by the Holy Ghost and be guided by the heart of God. So there he comes to Simon Peter. Jesus knew and understood him. And Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Well, you know, that's an interesting statement. Sometimes just always remember this through your walk. 
there are times when there's going to be bizarre things going on. You may not understand what's going on, but truly, truly, there's a purpose and there's a time. I know um, very young on when I was on the face of this earth, before I came into the fullness of the understanding of the Lord, before I came into uh, that place where I received him, received the infilling of the Holy Ghost, I didn't know who he was. Um, I was just a young woman stumbling along, buffeted to and fro by every wind of everything that was in the air that would speak in my ear and govern over my heart and twist me to and fro. And it was a miserable life. But I do remember there was a spirit that would come in, in the figure of a man. He would come and sit in and visit with me. And I marveled at that. It scared me at first, but there was such a peace. And I marveled at it. And I asked this figure one time, I said, who are you? And he said, I can't tell. I said, what's your name? And he says, I can't tell you yet, yet. But one day you'll know me. So I had to be content with that because it, my hour wasn't yet full. It wasn't come yet that the fullness of the Lord and everything he laid, had to lay down in my life for that moment where he came into my life in the fullness of understanding. There was a process I had to go through. There were things I had to bear. There were things that I had to see. There were things that I had to do on my course to equip me for the next step, for the next phase. So the day did come down the road where the Lord did open my eyes. He did give me understanding. I did come to him. I did realize that I needed more in my life. I did get baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. But I still did not have the understanding of who and what that was that came and visited me and talked to me and told me of things. Until after I had the fullness of the infilling of the Holy Ghost and one day that figure appeared to me again. Only this time, not in the visage of a man, but in a glorified state. And the power of it was so great, I fell to the floor on my knees. But I never got bruised or scuffed or felt a thing. I just drifted down onto the floor. All physical strength left me. And I looked up and there was this beautiful visage. If you want to know what it looked like, just read uh, John the Revelator when he saw the Lord. And it was just phenomenal. Uh, the brightness of him was so great. The power was so great. And I looked up and my eyes were opened and my understanding was quickened. And I just cried out, it's you. And I wept. The most incredible, beautiful, warm tears came down my face. It's you. Then I knew and understood who it was that came and visited me during my course to give me encouragement, to give me heart, to give me hope, to keep me going. It was the Lord God himself, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, incarnate. He came here, incarnate in flesh, did all that he did for us, and then ascended up above all heavens and uh, is on the right hand of the Father in the throne, in the glory. So I, I understood when I read this, that um, there was a timing. You don't know it now, 
but one day you will. Thou shalt know hereafter. So whatever you don't know or understand or seems odd or difficult right now, hang in there. Just wait until everything that God needs to do is in place and is done, and then that awakening will happen, and you'll get you'll get it. You'll go, ah, oh, it makes sense. And it did. It all made sense to me. And everything, all the equipment I needed to have to go forward was laid down in me by that time. And every day, he's doing a new thing in my soul and introducing new things in my life for the next day. You can trust him for that. And you can thank him for it right now. So he said, okay, you're not going to know it, but you'll know hereafter. And Peter saith unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. <laughs> kind of sounds like what John, John the Baptist said to Jesus when he went to him to get baptized. I can't baptize you. I, you need to baptize me. And Jesus said, uh-uh, uh, suffer to be so. But see that impulsiveness of the natural mind, the flesh, it wants to commandeer, it wants to keep control, it wants to tell God how to do what God knows to do, uh, only God knows how to do it better. If he'd listened to John the Baptist, he wouldn't have fulfilled the word of God. If he listened to Peter here, Peter would have fallen short. I mean, you'll see it throughout the word where the flesh always tries to interject its mind and change the course of events that God has in motion for his purposes. So stick with the Lord, with all confidence, with all faith, with all trust, and know he's got something that's playing out that's absolutely miraculous and wonderful in all things. And you can apply this through your entire life. So he says, well, you're not going to do it for me. All right, so Jesus answered and said unto him, What I doest thou knowest not, thou shalt know hereafter. And Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Well, look at Peter. He's way on the one side. You're never going to do it. Now he's flipping to the other side of the coin. Peter, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus, I'm sure he just, <laughs> I'm sure he sighed inside of himself, but he understood Peter. Get to know each other. Get to know your own makeup. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And Jesus had the patience for him and the understanding. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed need not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. He says, Peter, you you're already washed. You're already clean. See, Jesus was doing something more than washing his feet. It's a bigger picture and it's going to unfold as we read. But he did let him in on something. He says, but not all are clean. For he, speaking of Jesus, knew who should betray him. Therefore, said he, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Do you know what I just did? And he began to explain it in verse 13. Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. Well, you've said correctly, because I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. 
For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Look at how he did that. He showed them by doing it himself first. If you want to know how to be, how to walk, what to do, just follow the pattern that Jesus laid out. Just read your Bible yourself one-on-one. Get filled with the Holy Ghost and ask the Lord to open up the mysteries to you. Dedicate your heart and your life to him. Get baptized under those holy hands and say, Lord, I receive you into my life and into my heart. Enter into me, Lord, and guide me from this day forward. And when you have that wonderful infilling of his spirit, you can sit down and that word will become alive to you. And watch and see how Jesus handled a situation. It will help you in every single thing you ever face in your life. So he laid down an example for them. And he said, Do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. See how humble Jesus was? He says, I'm not greater than God the Father. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Now, look at the qualifier he put there. If you know them, you're going to be happy. Here's the qualifier. If you do them. It's not just enough to know the Lord. It's not just enough to know the scripture. It's not just enough to receive that infilling of the Holy Ghost and make that declaration to him. You've got to do them. Not just hear it, say it, but do it. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Isn't that quite something? Jesus knew that they all weren't part of God and they were part of him. If they're part of God, they're part of him. And he knew the dynamic of the structure and the incorporation of God in everything. There's a purpose for everything. And he knew that they were not all part of him. He knew that. And he knew that there was one that was going to betray them, betray him. See how he's preparing the people for it? He's preparing these disciples. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Isn't that an interesting statement? Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Do you know he does that? He will show things to his prophets ahead of time. And it may go a route. How many prophets prophesied of the coming of Jesus? They prophesied it, I mean, decades and, and I mean, many, 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 even hundreds of years before. From the very beginning, it was prophesied of him. But people had to wait. They had to wait. But did he come? Yes, he did. Some come sooner, some come later. But God will fulfill all things. Now he says, I'm going to tell you before it happens so that when it does happen, you'll believe it was me. God is good at that. So trust him. Get your excitement kindled today because he launches things all the time.
And it's just mag magnificent what he does when you watch it unfold. And this particular instance, it's going to look pretty bad before it gets better. Oh my goodness. So Jesus goes on. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that receiveth whomsoever I send, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. Now, Jesus, now he sends people. He sends people to ministers. And when you receive them, you're actually receiving not just them, you're receiving the Lord and you're receiving God the Father because they work in conjunction. So there's a big picture when you receive one another, when they're sent of the hand of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And when, G when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in the spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. He could feel it. He could feel it happening. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. You know, the flesh will do that. It'll start looking around, finger pointing. Now there was leaning on Jesus's bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. And trust me, when the Lord loves you, he will, uh, he'll fill you in. Everything that is um, deemed to be released in that hour, he will fill you in. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He says, go ask the Lord. Who is it he's talking about? Well, it's going to set a lot of the questions and the side glance and the finger pointing to rest once Jesus makes it nice and clear. Then he then lying on Jesus' breast said unto him, Lord, who is it? This one had great favor with the Lord. Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. So there's Jesus. He says, Okay, well, I'll show you who it is. And just to that very few, in that right in his immediate pr proximity, he showed him, he showed him who would betray him. And after the sop, Satan entered into him, speaking of Judas Iscariot. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. See, they didn't yet know what fully, completely was going to happen. They just knew that Jesus sent this Judas Iscariot off to do whatever he was supposed to do. But Jesus knew. That's one thing I want you to remember. Whatever is at play, whatever is in motion, here's the bottom line. Jesus knows. God the Father knows exactly the whole picture. Right here for us, just bear in mind. Over in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. See, there's a, there's a, a limitation when there, we're in this fallen realm, when we're walking in a slowed down habitation in the flesh, 
There's a process of, of time that isn't present in the spirit that we have to bear with. We have to endure. But what it does is it purges us from that fleshly nature and it brings us deeper into a walk of faith, trust and confidence in God. Now over in Acts, this is one thing to bear in mind, over in Acts 1 verse 7, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power or his own authority. See, it's God's call. It's God's call when he opens up and fulfills the understanding of a thing. As a faith-filled, walking, professing Christian, it is up to us to believe and trust and go forward in absolute unwavering faith and confidence in God because he knows the bigger picture and he has the authority and the power to unfold it when he deems to unfold it. If he does it beforehand, it he knows how disastrous it can be. He's going to give you all the equipment you need for the next transition that's going to come in your life, for the next thing that's going to happen. And he's doing everything he can to equip these disciples. If he told them the whole picture, it would have been more than they could bear. He had to escort them through it one step at a time, lovingly, with great care, and he did everything he could to prepare them ahead of time because he knew they couldn't bear it all. And I do believe the scripture does go into that. All right. So now they know Satan, uh, Satan, Jesus knows that Satan has entered into Judas. And Jesus said, what thou, that thou do, do is quickly. They didn't know it. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag, he took care of the money that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He just figured he'd been given a charge to go do something concerning the money. Because that's all the depth of understanding they had at that time. If Jesus had told them the full picture, well, you know Peter's nature. Peter could have jumped up and chopped him into bits or who knows, interjected and stopped what God had purposed to do. It had to all play out, and it couldn't be interfered with. Peter did go in Jesus's face and say, it's never going to happen. And Jesus had to say directly to him, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art offense unto me. Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but of man. He knew that natural mind would try and stop it up from happening. So he had to let it play through. And uh, it was a great wisdom of God to do it that way because he had to fulfill this. It was critical. We would not be here today. We would not have what we have today if it had been stopped or hindered in any way. So God knows how to see it through and he knows exactly how to... <laughs> call an end to something too. Nobody's getting away with anything. I'm going to tell you that right now. Just remember that in your walk and in your life. Nobody is ever getting away with anything, even if it seems like it or appears like it. They're not. So, so hold on, regardless of what you're facing. Just hold on. He then, having received the sop, speaking of Judas, 
went immediately out and it was night. Do you notice how he did it in the dark? They always like to hide around in the dark. You notice how these covert things happen at night when it's dark? It's interesting. They like to hide. They do not like the lights to be turned on. And they'll do just about anything imaginable to stop those lights from getting turned on. But God is light. All right, verse 31. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. Do you notice before then he was talking of something that was going to happen? Once that spirit entered into Judas and he went out to do what he was going to do, at that point, Jesus had launched it into motion. He already spoke of it as if it was already done. It went from projecting to being done. Do you know that that's how your faith is and that's how powerful your words are? When you've spoken the declaration out into the air under the anointing of the Holy Ghost with the power of God behind it, it's already done in that moment. Now, you see, there was a lot of things that had to play out yet before that glorification. And yet Jesus spoke as if it already were. There's a real key and mystery that's just unfolded for those of you who believe and understand and have that quickened spirit of God in you. Stand on that and know the power of your words and the power of your prayers. And once you've loosed it, thank him and see it as having already been done and don't waver. All right. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say unto you, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Look at how he loved Simon Peter with all of his ins and outs, his ups and downs and his arounds and arounds and his hasty conclusions and all the rest of it. He loved him. He bore with him. He saw it through and he knew in the end Peter would get it. He held fast for that. So don't be hasty with one another. Don't be pointing fingers at one another. Stand fast and love one another through each and every one's journey. There's going to be ups and downs and rounds and rounds and, uh, you know, turbulent times and all manner of things on the face of this earth that we're going to face. But love one another. Bear with one another and stand fast. And love like Jesus did. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If you love one another. And that's something. That's how you're known. Support one another and love one another. And if a brother is down or stumbles. Lift them up with your great tender mercy and love and kindness. Not berating them. And pointing at them and finding fault but love them and reaffirm them, knowing that these are difficult times. There are days where there are difficult times. 
and times and seasons come and go and they change. We're here to help each other through this journey and steady one another and encourage one another. I know I have a, a group of people, uh, they do that. They daily take time to call a brethren and build them up. And I know some are weary. They just get pounded out there and they wait on God for that seasoned word. And I've heard report back where different ones would say, oh, thank you for the encouragement. Isn't that what you'd rather hear? Thank you for the encouragement instead of beating them down, pointing fingers at them and saying, oh man, and finding fault. Why not build them up in the word that God gives you with love and kindness and understanding? Because it may be you that they need to lift up one day. It goes both ways. That humility goes a long way with God and that love, there's nothing that can compare. Without it, you're a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. So it's better off to have it. By this shall all men know that ye are my, my disciples, if ye have love one, for another, one to another. Simon Peter, here we go again, here he comes. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Now, look, God couldn't tell Peter everything. He had to try and help him the best he could, give him the information he could at that hour. Peter, he just grapples with it. With it. And Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot, cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. I mean, he was just all out. I'm going to lay down my life for my, thy sake. Well, Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down my life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Wow. Jesus knew him. He knew all his strengths. He knew his weaknesses. He also knew his course that he was going to go. And everything that happened in his course, the good, the bad, the ugly, however it may have appeared, was all to lay something down that was very significant and important in Peter's soul. It wrote in a story down into Peter that would serve him well in days to come. So like I said, don't look sideways at one another. There's something being written down in every soul for the purpose of God. Help one another, stand with one another. Well, let's go see what happened to Peter over in Matthew 26. We're just going to go over there for a moment and take a look. Matthew 26, and we're going to start in verse 69. Now, this is after they had taken, Pete, uh, taken Jesus and taken him up, and they were scourging him and beating him, and uh, Judas had betrayed him. Now Peter sat without in the place, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou wast, thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. You were with Jesus as well. So how did Peter respond when all of a sudden all the popularity that once surrounded Jesus was stripped away, and the people were screaming, Crucify him, crucify him, and he was being taken in and scourged and 
he wasn't exactly looking real pleasant. They, they had him in court. They were stripping him down. They were accusing him, falsely accusing him. And what did Peter do? Verse 70, but he denied before them all saying, I know not what thou sayest. I don't know what you're talking about. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he, speaking of Peter, denieth with an oath. I do not know the man. He actually, with an oath, said he did not know who Jesus was. I don't have any, I'm not part of him. Nope, 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 nope. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art of them, for thy speech berayeth thee. We know your speech. We know what you've said. It's betraying you. Then began he, speaking of Peter, to curse and swear, saying, I know not the man. I don't know him. Isn't that something? Earlier, he said, I, I, I'll die for you. And here, he, he vowed his allegiance to him and his support and everything else. Now he's cursing and swearing and say, I know not the man. And immediately, the cock crew, just like Jesus said. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter had to face his own estate, his own corruptible estate, his own weakness. He had to take a good look at it. But God had a purpose in everything. He wept and it worked a work down in Peter. Now, what would have happened to Peter if he was just condemned right there and given up on? Jesus didn't give up on him. Not at all. Jesus didn't give up on him. Earlier on, Jesus said, Satan desireth to have thee that he may sift thee like wheat, but I have prayed for you that when thou art converted, when you get overcome this world, overcome the influences of this world, and all the battering and badgering and the reproach, all of those things, when you overcome all of that and you're converted and you're no longer subject to those things, feed my sheep. He knew there was going to be a process. He knew he was going to go through it. But did Jesus still love him? Yes, he did. Because he knew the end of Peter's course. Can you love one another even when it's difficult to love them? Do you think at any time there's any that look so bad that can't be converted and turned around? Uh, take a look at Apostle Paul. Yeah, take a look at Apostle Paul. He used to crucify the Christians. And yet at that hour deemed of God, God turned things around. He fell off that high horse. God struck him down. He struck him blind. And it took God to peel the scales off his eyes and open his sight. And God did do it. 
Can he do it today? Yes, he can. So stand steadfast with your eyes pointed straight ahead, looking at God himself for guidance, for that understanding that Jesus had of who is his and who isn't his. He'll give it to you when it's necessary. But hold fast in faith and confidence in God that he will guide your steps one step at a time and write down everything he needs to write in your soul. And don't think you've sinned too much. Mm -mm. God is able to free you, to heal you, to cleanse you head to toe with his magnificent mercy, his kindness, his forgiveness, and the greatness of his spirit, that great, great love. All right, we're going down now. I want to skip down to John 15, chapter 15. And we'll start in verse 1. Jesus is still continuing to prepare the disciples for what's coming. Now see, they think Judas Iscariot has gone off and he's buying something or doing some errand. Jesus knows better. But he's trying to prepare them. He said, it's going to make sense down the road, guys. Just remember what I'm saying. Keep going. Like um, I did jump ahead into Peter. And Peter did remember in that moment, once that cock crew, then he knew. He knew. His, his understanding was brought back to him. That memory of it was brought back to him. And all, all of a sudden, the lights came on and it made sense. Hold on. Hold fast. Okay, John 15, verse 1. I am the true or genuine vine. I'm it. And my father is the husbandman. He's the vine dresser. Anything you get is going to be coming from the father. It comes through Jesus, but the original point is the father. That's why I say work from the throne out, collaborate with Jesus, and get the father's mind. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Now, think about that. When you've got a tree and you cut a branch off of that tree, there's no root there it's, or a vine. If you've got a growing vine and you cut that vine off, there's no root there. Where's the root? Where's the life coming? I've had some beautiful vines and people would go in and start pruning and they cut the wrong spot and then the whole length of the vine would tie and go brown because it didn't have access to that root, that food source. And Jesus said, I'm the root. I'm it. I'm the genuine vine. Mm -hmm. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Over in Matthew 15, 13, he said, But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Isn't that interesting? If God the Father hasn't planted it, it's going to get rooted up. I don't care how righteous they beat on their chest and say they are. If it wasn't planted by God, if the source of their information that's coming from them doesn't come from God, then it's fake. It's not going to it's not going to last. And every branch going back to John 15 verse 2, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purges or prunes it that it might bring forth more fruit. He's not going to let you get bogged down 
with things that are going to war against your soul and war against you from being spiritually healthy. He's going to get in there and he's going to purge you and clean you and prune off the dead flesh, the dead weight. The flesh, what I'm speaking of, is the natural mind and the natural urges. That's what he's talking about. Those fleshly behaviors, those fleshly urges. Because God is spirit. So we're talking about a spiritual working here. So he's going to spiritually be cleaning you, cleaning you and purging you. And you, you let him do it. Over again in Matthew 13, verse 12, For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Well, if you're bearing fruit, you're going to get more fruit. God's going to bless you. When you're bearing that fruit, He's going to bless you and you're going to increase and you're going to increase and he's going to purge you and you're going to increase and you're going to see it's a process. But if you're not bearing fruit, if you're just faking it and you're saying you're part of everything, but you're not doing it. Remember the qualifier? You have to do it. Then he's, he's going to take away what you think you even have. It's all going to be stripped because it's not founded in him. And you're not doing what he's bidding for you to do. All right. Now uh, in John 15 verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now Jesus has delivered the word of God to them. And that word is spirit and it's truth. And when you believe it and take it on. Not just take it on. You do it. You're going to change. You're going to get, you're going to start doing things differently. And verse four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. See, there's, there's the key. You have to abide in God. You have to stay there. You can't be moved somewhere else and go somewhere else. You have to stick with it. Now, I'm going to go over uh, to Colossians. Paul talked about that. How do you abide in him? Over in Colossians 1 verse 23, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature that is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. You've got to hang on to it. You've got to be grounded in it, settled in it, and not moved away from it. And that's the hope that's been laid in there from the gospel, of the gospel, when you've heard it and when it was preached. It was very interesting. I looked at that word creature, that word creature. God's preached it and Paul poured it out to every creature. Now, the meaning of creature, I'm going, what do you mean here? This, and I, I looked it up in the Strong's and it said, building creation, creature an ordinance, the act of founding, establishing, and building, the act of creating, creation. A thing created of individual things 
beings, a creature, a creation, anything created, after a, a rabbinical usage by which a man converted from idolatry to Judaism was called the sum or aggregate of things created, institution or ordinance to make habitable. God has to make a vessel habitable. He has to create a vessel that he can inhabit to people, a place, a region, island, to create. Of God creating the worlds to shape or form, to completely change or transform. So individuals, an individual person needs to be shaped and, and made ready and able to have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Now you can receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost, but you have to have that purging and that cleansing and that creative process going on all the time to keep that vessel fit for the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Because if you don't go through the process and you don't allow the Lord to shape you and mold you and you don't do what God gives you to do, then that Holy Ghost is going to be pushed out by, again, those fleshly urges, those fleshly behaviors, that natural mind, and it's going to be moved out of its place. So you have to continue steadfast. You have to hold on to that place that was created in you. You have to continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you've heard and which was preached to every creature under heaven. you got to hang on to it. You've got to work for it. And you know, you only have to do it one day at a time. You only have to do it one minute at a time. One heartbeat and one breath at a time. That's all you have to do. You continue steadfast, holding on to those things and believing for everything that God's told you and promised you. And then you will be fit and perfect and you will grow because when you're taking it on, you're going to be bearing fruit. You're going to get blessed and you're going to flourish. All right, let's go back again and go back to Jesus preparing them. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bring forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. So you want to walk away from the Lord? You're not going to be able to do a thing. You're not spiritually, you're not going to be able to do a thing. The whole key and the whole source of everything eternally, and I'm talking spiritually here, for your spiritual continuance, for your spiritual habitation, for your everlasting life, you have to abide in the Lord and not walk away from him. Because if you walk away from him, you will have no power and authority. It's gone. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Sure, the world out there is going to gather you up. They'll gather you together 
And they'll, uh, the devil's walking to and fro, seeking whom he can devour. And guess where he's going to take you? He's going to take you right down into that hell fire. And they are burned. Cast them into the fire and they are burned. That's what's going to receive you. So don't leave. Don't walk away. Stand steadfast. Hold steadfast. Go through what you have to go through. Allow yourself to be purged. Allow yourself to learn and experience. But stand fast. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Believe and trust in him. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Now, you see, there is a qualifier. You have to abide in the Lord and you have to have his words abide in you, which means you have to follow after what he's written down in you. You have to do it. Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. When you're bearing fruit, you are God's disciples because you're doing those things that God has bid you to do. You're saying those things that God have given you to say. You are, you're taking up your cross and following him. See, Peter went through a process, but he still stuck with it. Once he learned something, got batted across the head, he goes, oh Lord, and he wept bitterly, got himself picked up, brushed off and kept going. And he became a very powerful apostle, but he kept going. He kept at it. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. See, that love of God covers all of it for you. He'll help you. Here's your qualifier, though. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. You see, there is a qualifier. You have to keep God's commandments. You have to fulfill them. You have to know what they are. So get a hold of him. Ask of him. Get in your word. Read and research. And abide in his love by obeying and keeping his commandments. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus came here and showed us how to do it. His heart is so large, even to this hour, his heart is large enough for you. It really, truly is. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Do you see how Jesus' joy is in the satisfaction of knowing you're going to stick with it and make it? And when you stick with it and make it, your joy will be realized and it will be full and you will be shouting for joy. You will be when you see it all the way through, when you see it through to the end. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Can you do that, sweet, beautiful people of God? Love one another, bear with one another, help one another, support one another, lift each other up, and turn those fingers inward. Don't point them out there at anybody, back and forth amongst yourselves. Hold your loving arms out for those that are worthy, and you'll know them because they'll have those fruits. And God the Father will speak in your ear through his son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He'll speak in your heart. He'll move on your heart, and you'll know You'll know because he'll show you.
Mm -hmm. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did that. He washed their feet as an open show of take care of one another. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. You see, he's again beseeching them, do what I command you to do. Love one another, care for one another, tender one another, fulfill my commandments, fulfill my word. Do what I speak in your ear to do. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Look at how much he loved them. He told them everything that God the Father told him. You want to love a soul. Tell them what God the Father tells you to tell them. Share it with them. Fill them in. Give them those good things as God bids you to do it. Mm-hmm. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he shall give it you. You know, Jesus chose you. Those that are serving him, he's the one that chose you and ordained you that you should bring forth fruit. So press into him, bring forth that beautiful fruit of righteousness and God will give you whatever you ask of him in Jesus' name. Go through the Lord. See, because then you'll be doing it from a pure heart and he's the one that'll be moving you to ask for things because it will be done of a godly sort. It won't be done to consume it on your own flesh for selfish purposes. When it's from God, it be, will be a selfless petition. When it's done by the urging of the flesh, it will be selfish. You'll be doing it for your own belly, for your own cause, for your own sake. But Jesus said, lay down your life, your cause, your belly, your sake, and take up for another. Take up what they need for what they need. Take care of them. And in turn, they'll do the same for you. It's a win-win. Mm -hmm. These things I command you, that ye love one another. And then he goes on to tell them what they can expect down the road. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. So don't be surprised if that natural mind rises up and it hates the Lord. And it hates the people of God. It hated them from hated God from the beginning. If ye were of the world, the world will love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So I don't think it's odd. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. That's how you'll know them. You'll know when they're given to you of the hand of the Lord or whether they're the, the world and the instrument of the world. 
When you speak from God to them, they will receive it. They'll gladly receive it and they will take it on. If they're of the father, the devil out there in the world, and they have that worldly nature, they are going to hate it. They're going to hate it. They're going to reject it. They're going to lie against it. They're going to fight. They're going to try and turn and twist. That's how you'll know. You'll know them by the fruit, by their behavior, what comes out of them. You'll know who's who and what's what. And then you can incorporate your prayers. If any need to be delivered, you pray that prayer of faith between you and God. And then watch and see what the hand of God will do. When the hand of God is in it, God's the one that does the delivering. Man doesn't deliver. God's the one that does the delivering. Jesus did that. He would talk in parables and then he'd watch to see who God the Father gave the quickened understanding to. So when you put it out to that soul, watch and see, even if they kick it first, watch and see after your prayers are loosed over them and you make that entreaty to God the Father, watch and see if their heart is turned and their understanding quickened and opened and they come back to you and say, you know, I'd really like to hear more. You're right. I'd like to hear more. And, and you'll see a change of spirit, a change of heart. Then you know your prayers have been heard and God has moved. And if they stay hardened, don't waste your time. Don't cast your pearls before swine. There's your basic formula. Let God do the talking here. Just follow his lead and he'll line it out to you very, very plainly. But you don't need to go there and get your face all smacked up. You know, just watch and see who God opens that understanding and, and softens that heart with and who he hardens that heart to. All right, so over in 20, I'm going to read it again. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. There's when you know they come from God. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. Boy, you're going to see that happen. You're going to see that happen. Sometimes God will have somebody out there front and center to, to try their spirit and see what comes out of them to see whether they're of God or whether they're not, whether their works are righteous or whether they're corrupt. And boy, if you see that all of a sudden when a righteous soul speaks the truth to them and all of a sudden they get up in arms and they start campaigns and they start shouting and they start lying, cheating, stealing, well, you know who that's of. And they try and defame, they try and discourage, they, they will do any campaign they can possibly do. But what it's doing is God is in motion here. Jesus came here and he divided out the sheep from the goats. And he said, if I hadn't come here, then it wouldn't have been revealed. None of this would have been revealed. I had to come here. But now, because I have, they have no cloak for their sin. It's been revealed. It openly was revealed. Who was with God and who wasn't? 
And the religious organization at that time were the ones that crucified Christ. They rose up and crucified him and campaigned against him and even found uh, sons of Belial that would lie about him to try and get him gone. They campaigned, oh, they campaigned to get him gone. And then when they crucified him and got him out of their way, they figured, oh, we got it done now. <laughs> but they actually fulfilled the work of God. They revealed themselves. And then Jesus, he went down into the nether parts of the earth and, and set the captivity free and rose again on the third day. And that power and authority was loosed across the entire face of the earth. And it became more powerful than ever. Oh my gosh, what an amazing working. But it looked pretty bad. There was a time where it looked pretty bad, where even Peter denied the Lord. I don't have any part of him. Because he just, he, he was uh, susceptible. But when it was all said and done, Jesus had, God the Father had occasion. And they showed their hand. They revealed who was who and what was what. God does that today, just like he did back then. So don't be surprised at anything that happens. Don't be surprised if all of a sudden a spirit kicks up and then you see what's really down in that person that you thought was a friend, but they're not. You'll know them by their speech. You'll know them by their behaviors. You'll know them by their actions. And you'll see that God just caused an occasion to get judgment on them. And you just walk away. You walk away with your head held high, knowing God will back you up. God will bless you. You don't need to stay in the middle of the muck. Mm -mm. He will bless you. Stand fast. Don't be moved. Mm -hmm. Jesus stood fast. and He won. You stand fast. You'll win. You wait until the Lord makes your enemies your footstool. He will do it. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm going to go back to 22 because it bears repeating. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their skin. It's all being revealed. It's all coming out in the open. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which was done, which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now... Have they both seen and hated both me and my father? But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. Look at that promise. He says, hang on. He had to tell them ahead of time, even though there were desperate times coming, they had to revert back and hold on to this. And they were shook. So we're going to go on a little bit further into John 16, verse 1. These things have I smoke, spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think he doeth God a service, God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. 
But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. He said it wasn't necessary then. Now it's necessary for me to say these things. Now is the time that I'm saying these things. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me whether goest thou? He said, none of you are going to ask me? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your hearts. He saw them. They, they knew they were becoming sorrowful. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. I've got to go do this. It's got to go the full course that God has lined out. And when it's fulfilled, trust me, most wonderful things are going to come your way. Mm-hmm. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. That's the whole purpose of God here, people. I have yet many things to say to you but ye cannot bear them now. Do you see again? He knew how much he could tell them. He knew what they could bear and he knew what would be too much for them. So let God take you through your course, remembering this always through all things and through all times. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and show it unto you a little while and ye shall not see me again a little while and ye shall see me because I go to the father and then some of the disciples among themselves what is this that he saith unto us a little while and she not ye shall not see me and again a little while ye shall see me and because I go to the father see they couldn't figure it out they were still reasoning in their own mind. They still, that hour wasn't there for the enlightened understanding to be loosed upon them. Not yet. But they pondered on it. They held it. Hold on to those things that God has given you. Hold on and wait for the fullness to be completed in all things in your life. They said, therefore, what is this that he saith a little while? We cannot tell what he saith. We can't figure it out. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him. And he said unto them, Do you inquire among yourselves of that I said? A little while and ye shall not see me. And again a little while and ye shall see me. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Remember that, people. Hold fast to that. If the world is rejoicing, believe me, it will only be temporary. Trust me, people of God, it will only always be temporary. You do have the ultimate and final victory in all things. Hold fast. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. And that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because he hath loved me and hath believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples say unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Remember that. See, they were jubilant in the promise that the Lord gave them. But he says, okay, there's going to come a time. See, Jesus knew the fullness of what was coming. He said, you're all going to be scattered. I'm going to be standing on my own. You're all going to be scattered. But he also knew that they would gather again. He also knew the fullness that would come. And he also knew how each and every soul has to stand. They have to stand one-on-one -on -one with God. And when I minister to a soul, the very first thing I do and what I do from that moment on is I get their eyes fixed on God. I have their eyes fixed on the Lord God and Him only. And I teach them how to pray. I teach them how to interact directly one-on-one -on -one 
with the Lord God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that mediator, and God the Father, and go directly to them so that if they're in an hour where all men flee them, their eyes will be fixed as their life and their course of this life moves on and loved ones pass away, their eyes will be fixed and their support will not be leaning on the arm of flesh, but their support will be leaning on the arm of God, on the power and authority and love and bosom of God. And their answers will come directly from the throne. Their answers, their comfort, their support, their guidance, all these things, I watch for all these things to be thoroughly manifest in each and every soul because that then and only then will my heart be comforted and will I have that full reassurance that regardless of whether my feet are on the ground here or if my feet go to be with the Father, that that soul will make it. They will survive. They will be able to continue on steadfast and that their roots are sunk down into that rock. Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, your faith, your hope, your door, the answer to all things and the answer to that entrance into eternal glory and that e eternal life with pleasures evermore. I love you all so very much. I pray that that gives you comfort and courage and reassurance and a resurgence of faith and confidence and joy in the Lord, knowing that God, he's got this. I love you all. Bye for now. Wasn't that awesome? That was our beloved friend, Trish. And gives me such joy to hear that voice go out across this globe because not only did you hear that beautiful personal admonition from God Almighty to fill our hearts and mind with knowledge, true knowledge of him, but you also got to hear that incredible graciousness for one another, that largeness of understanding that comes only from the Spirit of God. And it's because Trish, our our wonderful friend was raised in a true fivefold ministry. She's able to minister with that incredible personal attention to each individual soul and that largeness of God's perspective <laughs> that tells us, yes, allow yourself to learn, allow yourself to be purged and keep going. Keep at it. Keep walking with the Lord. Again, that is because of that, that depth of knowledge and that depth of love comes from being raised in a true fivefold ministry, comes from living the word. Let's go to Ephesians 4. We'll go to verse 11. Because again, we keep it just book simple here at Get Your Love On Radio. There's no denominational affiliation or anything like that. We read the King James Version of the Bible. We believe it cover to cover. And so Ephesians 4.11 is very important. Because it says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Wow, don't we feel edified right now? Completely so strengthened and edified. Thank you, Lord, for your fivefold ministry. Thank you, Lord, for giving us faithful ministers that live the word 
that teach the word in sincerity and truth and in totality. It's all right here for us. Why? It says in verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And here's why it's so important. And my beloved friends, here's why that I hope you can tune in every week. I hope you share this podcast or this radio show, share the links, whether you interface on Instagram, Facebook, however you found us, please share this. It's so important. And by the way, we have part two of um, that wonderful message, the bigger picture. We have part two next week. So be sure to tune in then too. But the reason this is all so important, the reason it's It's so important to be taught by those who have been raised in a true fivefold ministry, by those who expect that perfect man who can become the, be fulfilled into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's because in Ephesians 4 verse 14, it says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So there's a lot of so-called Christian teaching out there that oscillates, that deals with, oh, it's always a battle. Well, when we stand in the Spirit of God, when we stand in the confidence of God Almighty, didn't you hear that pure confidence from our friend Trish? To keep going, march forward. You know, just like she talked about Apostle Peter, he dusted himself off. He wept bitterly, repented, and then marched forward and became one of the greatest ministers in human history. That's the act of God. Be no more children tossed to and fro, but stand in that confidence, stand in that might and that authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and then march forward and, uh, and help each other do the same. I was, I was reviewing some ministers this past week and they talked about oh this is so hard this is so challenging and it was so wishy-washy and you know what I did I turned it off (laughs) because no that's not God Almighty there's nothing wishy-washy about God Almighty he gives us strength and courage and love and endurance so that we are not children we are men men and women of God and stand in that strength that's what we get when we're taught the true knowledge of God. That's what we get. And that's why that depth of knowledge and that love you heard from our friend Trish is so incredible. And it's so wondrous. And it was because of the fivefold ministry, like we hear in Ephesians 4. And it says in verse 15, it says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Hope today's show blessed you. It certainly did me being here with you today. It's always an incredible blessing. And since we spent the last two hours getting our love on, let's make sure we keep our love on. You can always access show archives, Bible studies, or reach out to us at getyourloveon.org. We'd love to hear from you if you want to get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. If you'd like more information about speaking in tongues and how you too can have that one wonderful gift from God Almighty. Reach out to us. Go to getyourloveon.org. Hope you have a wonderful week. Lord bless you. And again, next week we'll have part two of the bigger picture. In the meantime, Lord bless you mightily. We'll see you next week. My
man or woman, man or woman who is so down, try keep your love on, on. 